Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. And welcome, glad you guys are here. Uh, if we haven't met yet, bef- uh, my name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community. I want to welcome everybody here in the house, uh, our guests. I want to say good morning to our Bluffton community location. We know you're all over the village of Bluffton this morning, so uh, we know we're gathered together in spirit, even though we're all over the place. And then welcome to those of Astoria and our online campus too. So uh, looking forward to meeting with you guys one day here in the house. So I have this question uh, for you. I wonder if there's ever been a time in your life when you have felt like an outsider, okay? Has there ever been a time when you felt like an outsider? And what I mean by that is like, you kind of feel like you're on the outside of situations looking in, uh, maybe kind of feel like no one understands. Maybe you're like left out uh, sometimes while everybody else is doing things. I remember there's a couple that stick out for me. Uh, one, of, one of them is uh, when I was in seventh grade, I tried out for the seventh grade basketball team. And so you can tell by the way I'm starting the story, you know how it ended. Uh, but uh, so I tried out and I didn't make it. Apparently, there was not a huge need for a four foot 11 center in middle school. And uh, so I didn't make it, but uh, my friends did. Some of my buddies did. And so I just, I felt left out, right? It was like, it was embarrassing to get cut, didn't even get to, you know, get in on the practices. My buddies are driving on the bus to go to games and whatever, and, and I just felt, you know, left out and on, on the outside of that. It was humbling, um, and it wasn't a ton of fun. And so that's like one situation I remember, kind of just feeling like an outsider, uh, looking in on that. Uh, another one I can remember growing up that's a little bit uh, kind of deeper than that is... So uh, my parents separated when I was three years old, and I just lived under the understanding that was normal, right? So like parents just, they don't stay together, and that's how it worked in my family, and that's just, that's the normal way it works. So uh, I remember I started getting old enough where I could like stay the night uh, with other friends and go to their houses and things like that, and I remember showing up to a number of my friends' families, and like I'd meet their mom, and then I'd meet their dad, too, and it's like, oh, their parents are like together. That's weird, you know. And then, uh, and then, like, and they stayed <laughs> like in the same house. And and uh, it's like, and they like liked each other. It's like that's weird. Um, and uh, and then I find out like they'd been together for a really long time. It's like that's weird. And and the more that began to happen in my own life, um, you know, a lot of my friends. That's just the way their families were. And I started to go like, oh, it's not them, right? It's. It's me, actually. My family is a little bit uh, different than most of my friends. And so, again, just feeling like I was on the outside looking in on everything else that was normal, but not really being a part of that. And I wonder if you have ever felt like an outsider in your life. You know, I'm sure you can relate. There's, uh, there's a lot of us. We have different seasons and situations where that's true, where we feel like outsiders. And, and it's more common than you might think, right? There's a, a study not too long ago that showed uh, about 50% of all people um, expressed that at some point in their life, they just felt excluded, right? They felt like they were on the outside, looking in, not a part. And what's amazing about that study is they found that the younger uh, you are, right, like the younger in the generation you are, the more excluded you feel, 
the more you feel isolated, the more you'll feel lonely. And so actually people in their 60s and 70s express, I feel, I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm a part. And then you have people in their teen, teen years, in their early 20s going, I feel like I'm on the outside, right? I don't feel like I'm a part of anything. And, and they're wrestling with these things. But when you feel overlooked, right? When you feel like you're not a part, it's easy to assume that everyone else is in, right? It's easy to assume that you're the only one who's out because you feel alone and there's a, there's a level of desperation that kind of comes with that. You feel stuck. And sometimes you can feel like an outsider at school. You can feel like an outsider at work. You can feel like an outsider in your own family, right? And sometimes things like the holidays bring that stuff right up to the surface and it's tough. Right, because nobody wants to feel that way. What's interesting about this outsider feeling? It, it runs deeper than not getting the invite to get together with people. Right? It runs deeper than not being included in a decision at work. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons you can be a part of a crowd. Right? You can be f- right in the middle of a party, surrounded with people, and yet not really feel like you're included. Because this feeling of what I would call outsidedness, right? This feeling of outsidedness runs deeper than that. And you can't solve it with enough coffee dates. And you can't solve this feeling by moving in with somebody. And you can't solve this feeling by, right, like just filling up your, your calendar with all kinds of things. Feeling like an outsider doesn't go away because you increase the amount of exercise that you have in a given day or a given week. It runs deeper than that. In fact, the only way you solve this deepest sense of loneliness and exclusion is to identify the true source of it. And so if you've ever felt like an outsider, which I think every single one of us can identify with, the essence of where that comes from is that we are outside of our truest purpose. That's actually where that sense comes from. That's where that feeling comes from of being outside. It's because we're outside of our truest purpose. And the question that becomes, do you know what your truest purpose is? It's this, I will tell you. Your truest purpose, my truest purpose, the thing that will bring real joy, lasting joy, ultimate joy into your life is actually being in a relationship with God. That's your truest purpose. That's my truest purpose. Do you know that we were made, we were designed to know God. We were made to love God. We were made to rely on God all of the time. That's our truest purpose. That's what we were made to be. That's what we were made to do. That's who we are. And until you step into that, you never really shake this feeling of being on the outside. And so I want to lean into that this morning and talk about how do we get past that. And so as Shay mentioned, if you'll open up to Luke chapter 2 in your Bible, uh, we're in this series called Unspeakable Joy, and we've been looking at the birth of Jesus and why he really is the centerpiece of joy and what that means for all of us in our lives. And so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1 from the ESV. You can follow along in the version you have or on the screen with me. And it says this. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Yeah, like here's this amazing story. And, and, you know, I think many of us are very familiar with it. What I'd like to do is like to point out just a couple of truths that become really, really apparent reading uh, this account, especially in the context of all of Luke. Here's the first thing I want to point out real quick. It's this, is that Jesus came as an outsider. Jesus came as an outsider. I want you to think about this for a second. Think, if you've had children, especially maybe in the last few years or, you know, a decade and a half or whatever, um, what are some things that have become common about having children in our day and age, right? The, the process usually looks something like this. You find out that you're pregnant, you tell your parents or your close friends, um, and then after everything's moving forward, you take the next big step, and what do you do? You make it... Facebook official, right? You put the announcement out there, you let everybody know this is happening, and then some people will have like the gender reveal parties, and without fail, right, the dad is always pointing the exploding thing the wrong way, uh, right? And uh, that happens. Uh, You stream them online, there's baby showers, there's those weird maternity photos, right? All of those things are, you know what I'm talking about. Um, all, All of that is happening, before 
the baby's even born. And then during, during the birth, right, when they're born, it's like you've got live tweeting going on over in the corner. You know, they're there, and it's like first pictures. You're posting the stats. Uh, the family's all present. You're doing their first photos. Everybody's doing their visiting. You know, please don't touch the baby. Uh, you know, all of those things. Uh, you're doing weekly updates, you know, on week 11. You know, how old are they? Oh, they're 127 weeks old. Uh, you know, and, and all of this stuff. And, and right, that's going on. And that's just for us normal people. (laughs) Do you remember when Prince William and Kate were having their first kid? Oh man, the world paused. The media has given us constant updates the whole, every step of the way, you know, they're on the magazine and it's almost time, you know? And so all of these things are going on. And then you look at the birth of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. Do you know how many verses Luke gives specifically to the birth of Jesus in his gospel? One. Verse seven. That's the only verse that actually talks about the birth of Jesus, right? That's, that's it. And in doing this, right, like, now, don't, make, you know, don't misunderstand. Now, God had announced that Jesus was going to come. He had announced in the Old Testament through the prophets, there's going to be one who comes, who solves all of the issues we've ever faced. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the Christ. He's going to be the King, right? It's all these announcements. So nobody knew when, and nobody knew who. They just knew at some point God was going to act. But when Jesus was actually born, Luke gives one verse to it, and there were the only people that were really present were Mary. She kind of had to be, uh, right? Joseph, some some shepherds, and maybe there was a couple of other people, but that's it. That's it. There's no room for them in the inn. Nobody's welcoming them. There's no banner, you know, can't wait to meet you, Jesus. Uh, right? Not, none of that is going on. Actually, Jesus' birth was largely overlooked and neglected by the people of his time and of his culture. Most people didn't even know. I think Luke makes that point because of this. Jesus knows what it's like to be an outsider. He came as one. He came as one overlooked. He came as one unnoticed. And so the question for me quickly becomes, well, why? Why did Jesus come in this understand as an outsider, right? One who is overlooked. And it becomes really apparent as you see the life and the ministry of Jesus. The reason Jesus became, came as an outsider is because Jesus came for the outsiders, The reason Jesus came as an outsider is because Jesus came for the outsiders. So you have this one verse about Jesus' birth, right, verse 7, and then immediately Luke changes the scene. says, hey, Jesus was born, period. Hey, there's these shepherds who are out in their field. They're working third shift, right? You all know about third shift. That's a weird one. But anyway, so they're out there. um, and, And right, Luke just immediately changes the scene. And he says, listen, there's these shepherds who are out there. They're working at night. And, and don't miss this, because you and I, when we think of the shepherds, 
We have been trained, when we think of shepherds, we think of like cute little kids who are dressed in their mom's sheets, right? Uh, they're here as the shepherds, and they're playing their role with their crook that's too big for them, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, we think of Linus, right, up there, sore afraid, uh, all of those things. But in, Jesus, in this culture, do you know how shepherds were viewed in this time and in this culture? They were somewhere between sneaky used car salesmen and IRS agents, right? They're somewhere in there, right? Sorry if you do either. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, but, right, so, like, nobody, this, this is not, like, a, a majorly, massively respected, uh, you know, profession. Actually, shepherds were despised. Shepherds were viewed as lowly. That's actually who they gave, gave the shepherd jobs to. They gave the shepherd jobs to the young, they gave the shepherd jobs to the lowly. You were a shepherd if you were a, a really, really poor, or if you were a slave, then you were a shepherd, right? All of those things. And so, in fact, shepherds were outsiders. Do you know that? Shepherds were outsiders. And so why is it then that Luke changes scenes, and an angel comes and announces to shepherds, about the birth of the king. Why did the heavenly host put on probably one of the most amazing concerts ever for shepherds out in the field at night? Why was it the shepherds who got to come and meet God in person before virtually everyone else? Well, because God came for the outsiders. And, and he's making that point right here. See, it was the outsiders that Jesus came to include. It wasn't the political elite. It wasn't the religious leaders. It was not those who think they have it all together. My life is fine on my own. I don't need anyone. I don't need anybody's help. In fact, Jesus' entire ministry is marked by including those who knew they were spiritually sick and they needed help. His entire life and ministry is marked by that truth because God came for the outsiders. And you see that from his birth. Well, that's the second truth. Here's the third truth. It's only through Jesus that the outsiders are welcomed in. It's only through Jesus that the outsiders are welcomed in. I love this story. So the, the angel comes and tell this, tells the shepherds, and they believed him. And so they take off, they go, and they look for Jesus, and they find him, right? They told Joseph, they told Mary everything that they experienced, right? I just imagine them like running in, and they find out where he's at, and they're like out of breath, and they're like, angels, host, concert, accident, right? Like all of this is going... They're just like overwhelmed and they're excited and like, and there he is. And they simply enjoyed being in the presence of Jesus, right? They're there and they're reveling in it and they believed and, and they realized they're in on the front end of this thing. Those who are normally excluded, they're in. You know, it's amazing that in Luke's gospel, everyone who meets Jesus is filled with joy, these shepherds are overjoyed. 
right? Um, later, right, actually in this chapter, when the infant Jesus is taken to the temple for dedication, there's two people, Simeon and Anna. They meet Jesus, and they're filled with joy, right? Mary and Joseph, overjoyed. I think about Elizabeth. Do you remember uh, last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, when we saw the account of Elizabeth, who was carrying John the Baptist, and Mary, who was carrying Jesus, right, both in their womb. Literally, John leaps for joy in his mom's womb because he realizes that he's in the presence of Jesus, right? Luke is making the point that people who genuinely meet Jesus walk away full of joy. Like, that's common. It's normal to be overjoyed when you meet Jesus, And what I love about Luke's account here is he picks up the nuance of people who typically are overlooked and excluded in their lives, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. People who have lived a lot of their life feeling excluded or being on the outside, they have developed this really high sensitivity towards others who are going through the same thing, and they make a really clear point to invite others in because they know what it's like to be pushed to the side. And so what's amazing about this is what the shepherds did. These are people who are used to being excluded. These are people who are used to being on the outside. They meet Jesus, and what's the first thing they do after they meet Jesus? They go out and they start telling other people, and they start inviting them in. They start including them in to this whole thing, right? The outsiders were welcomed in through Christ, and their first response is, let's go include more people. Let's go tell more people about everything we've seen and everything we heard, right? This is all, this is all the natural outflow of meeting Jesus. It's normal, So Jesus came as an outsider. Jesus came for the outsider. And then it's through Jesus that the outsiders are welcomed in. So what does all of this mean for us? What does this look like in our lives? Well, the first thing I would say this, in this story, when we're reading the account of Jesus, we're reading the account of his birth, we're seeing what the angels and the shepherds are going on. In this account, we're the shepherds. Do you know that? We're the shepherds. We're the lowly, we're the poor, we're the overlooked, we're the neglected, we're the outsiders, we're the shepherds. And so you might be thinking, well, how? (laughs) I don't know where you're getting this from, Fritz, but uh, look, I've got plenty of friends Uh, You know, I've I've got influence with other people at my work. People pay attention to me. I am not an outsider, all right? I don't know where you got your facts from, but you're wrong. I'm talking about this on a much deeper level, a deeper level of exclusion. It's going back to what we talked about in the beginning, right? That every single one of us is outside of the only thing any one of us actually really need. We're outside of a relationship with God. 
That's where we all start. That's where we all begin. And the reason that we're outside, the reason that we're excluded is because of sin. Now, sin is this word that gets thrown around quite a lot, and there's lots of different definitions behind it, and people kind of will name it uh, in all kinds of ways. And so some people will identify sin as like evil actions, right? They'll attribute it to crimes and, and, and hurtful decisions and, and things along those lines. Other people will, uh, will identify sin as evil thoughts and intentions, right? Lust, uh, jealousy, those types of things. Then still others will define sin as, well, you're just not reaching your full potential, right? You're not doing everything you, you could be doing. So you have lots of definitions for sin that look along those lines. You know who's right? None of them. And all of them. <laughs> they're all right. And they're all wrong. Because it's an incomplete view of sin, See, evil thoughts, evil actions, even failing to do the good that you know you ought to do, it's all sin. But those are the effects of sin. That's what I would call the manifestation. That's how sin makes its way out. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, Some might say the fruit of sin. This is what sin looks like. The actions, the thoughts, the intentions, uh, all of those things. But do you know the essence of sin? Do you know the small kernel, the seed that sin starts with? You know what it is? Sin is simply this, living as if there is no God. Living without regard for God. That's the essence of sin. That's the core kernel nugget. And then sin blooms into all of these other things. Sin is living your life as if you don't need God. That's the essence of sin. Sin is independence from him, making decisions without God, living without regard for God, thinking that you can determine your own purpose, that you can determine your own pathway. That's the heart of sin. That's where it begins. And then it blows up in all kinds of ways from there. Now, some of you are going, uh, what does this have to do with the Christmas story? <laughs> You're harshing my Christmas mellow, preacher man. All right, like what's going on here? This isn't really what I came to hear. Well, you just have to see sin has absolutely everything to do with Christmas. Absolutely everything to do with Christmas. It's why Jesus came. <laughs> It's why Jesus entered into our world. It's because of sin that we're separated from God. It's because of sin that we're on the outside. We are cut off from life itself, and there's nothing that we can do to solve it. Right? The prophet Isaiah exposes our, our nature sinfully. Right? Look at verse, uh, chapter 59, verse 2. It says this, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Right? That, that's why you're separated. That's why you're, you're removed, you're excluded, you're on the outside of life itself. And, and there's nothing that you and I can do on our own to wipe away sin stain. There's nothing you can do. There's, there's no level of success to get rid of it. You can't fill your calendar full enough to distract you. You can't welcome yourself in on your own. And so Jesus entered into our world because he's the solution. He's the answer. He's the one who solves our deepest problem. And so when Jesus came as an outsider, he identified with us in every way. I want you got to catch this. Jesus felt what you feel. Jesus faced what you face. 
Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. Jesus experienced the loneliness that you feel. Jesus knows what it's like to be excluded and to be on the outside because Jesus is like us in every single way except one. There's, he's like us in every single way except one way. It's very, very important. This is the one way he's different from us. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never fell short. Jesus never once failed to rely on God. Jesus never stepped out from under the leadership of the Father or the Spirit. Jesus was sinless. It didn't even exist in him. And so Jesus' perfection actually made him to be the perfect solution for our sin. Because he identifies with us in every single way, yet he maintained an absolutely perfect relationship with the Father. And Jesus knew that we could never solve sin on our own, so he stood in our place. He took our punishment for our sin. That's what his death on the cross is all about, right? Facing my punishment for my sin. Facing your punishment for your sin. Facing the punishment for all sin of all people for all time. Jesus faced the wrath of God on his own, alone, by himself. And all the wrath of God was poured out. It was in that moment on the cross that God turned away from the Son. And Jesus experienced what it was like to truly be an outsider. And he died. Jesus faced death. Why would he do that for you, for me? This is what he did. But thankfully, it didn't end there, right? That's not the period on the story. But rather, three days later, Jesus is literally raised from the dead. Now, the reason this is so important, and you've got to catch this, there's a lot of reasons, but here's the big one for, for our purposes this morning. It means that the angel was telling the truth when he spoke to the shepherds, right? If you'll remember, one of the things that the angel said to the shepherd is, I bring you good news that will be of great joy for all of the people. And so Jesus' resurrection confirms that what the angel said was true. And Jesus is who he says he is. The angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the promised one, the one of David, the righteous branch, the promised one who is still to come. That's Jesus. And it's through his death and resurrection that Jesus invites the outsiders. And it's only through Jesus that the outsiders are welcomed in. There's no other way. There's no back door. There's no window to crawl in. There's nothing. It's only through Jesus that we get welcomed in. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Well, I actually think the shepherds from Luke 2 give us a really good pathway. And very, very quickly, it's this. Believe, look, enjoy, and invite. You see, the shepherds, 
They believed what the angel said. And so I think it's the same for us. It's believing that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of God. He's the savior. He's the king, right? So we believe that. But then the next thing is you have to go the next layer and you've got to go look. You've got to go look for yourself like the shepherds did and find out and see this Jesus. So you can't go to his manger today because it's not there. So where do we encounter Jesus? The scriptures. We go to the Bible. I'll tell you a great place for if you're wanting to discover who Christ is, you could continue on in the book of Luke. We've been studying chapter one and two for the last three weeks. You could continue reading simply one chapter a day and discover who Jesus is and all about his life. This is the best place for you to discover who Jesus is. There's no better place. But you believe, and then you go look, and then when you find Jesus, you enjoy him. You enjoy him, right? You let his joy bring you to the place of faith. You let his joy, right, um, begin to transform your life by his grace. This is the place where you make the decision to trust Jesus as your forgiver and your leader, and you follow him. And then finally, like the shepherds, we go and tell the other outsiders, and we invite them in. And we say, through Christ, there's a seat for you at the table. You're welcome in through Christ. And so it's believe, look, enjoy, and then invite. I think that's what we do as followers of Christ. And so here's a really practical way I would invite you. Um, you are all, here in the house and online, uh, if you're semi-local, you're invited to Christmas Eve service right here at Lighthouse Community this Friday at 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock. We're meeting here. And if you've never been to a Christmas Eve service at Lighthouse Community, let me tell you, uh, uh, it, here's what they look like. It's really different. Um, they last about 35 minutes. It's an explosion of joy. Uh, and then what we have is 150 dozen donuts that are being ready to be delivered all throughout Hancock County to people who have to work on Christmas Eve night, right? Because if you've ever had to work on Christmas Eve night, it's really challenging, it's not a ton of fun. And so we thought, what better way than to use some of our time than to go bless people and let them know, hey, we see you, we love you, and there's a God who loves you as well. And so we've got places like the hospitals and hotels and gas station attendants, and, and if you've got speeding tickets, go over to the police station, right? Like all of all these places to go around throughout Hancock County to deliver donuts, and it is a blast. And so I want to invite you to come Friday night, and let's go enjoy Christ and then invite others into this beautiful story of who he is. And if you're planning to come, that's the next step you could take on your connection card. Just let us know. Say, hey, I'm coming to the 4 o'clock, or I'm coming to the 5 o'clock, or I'm coming to both. I'm going to go out and deliver at 4, come back at 5. Uh, you can do that as well, but it's a ton of fun. But you have to catch this, right? Jesus is the invitation. Donuts aren't the invitation. Church isn't the invitation. Sunday morning service isn't the invitation. Jesus is. Jesus is the invitation. And you don't have to stand outside with your nose pressed against the glass wondering what it's like to have a seat at the table. You're welcomed in through Christ. Through Christ, you can have a seat at the table. Now, I know my own life, I, I have accepted Jesus' invitation. Let me tell you briefly what it's like to know Jesus and to walk with God. If I could put it into two words, it's this. It's good. It's really good. Three words. Right? 
to be able to walk with the Father, this constant feeling of outsidedness that used to plague me and linger all over me is gone. Because I know I've been included. I know I've been accepted in Christ. Joy is actually a common experience in my life, and it continues to grow the more that I walk with Jesus. I can honestly say for the first time since meeting Christ, I feel whole. I feel like I'm who I was always supposed to be. And those are just the benefits. Those are just the outflows. Do you know who the real gift is? It's God himself. God himself is the real, good, is the real gift. Because I'm not on the outside anymore. I'm in. I'm so far in. God's living within me through the Holy Spirit. That's how far in you become when you say yes to the invitation. And even when I go through really heartbreaking situations, I know that God's got me. And I trust him every step of the way. Listen, Jesus came for you. And if you want him, come and get him. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. We, we ask this question, and just across all of our locations, if you're in a house in Bluffton, Fostoria, you're in your own home here this morning, I just want you to ask this question and take a moment to think, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? What are you speaking to me? Some of you might actually be at the place where you're saying, how do I accept God's invitation? I'm going to tell you how you can do that. It's very simple. It's this. Decide right now to say yes. That's, that's what it takes to accept God's invitation. You decide right now, right where you sit, here in this room, in living rooms, all across the village of Bluffton. Uh, if you're in a house in Fostory or somewhere else in Hancock County, you make the decision now to follow Jesus, right? You make the decision in your mind and in your heart, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to follow him. Listen, there's no paperwork to complete, right? There, there's no payment of money to make. There's actually not even a prayer to pray. It's simply by faith that we're saved. It's by his grace and through faith that we're made new. And so simply decide right now, wherever you are, to say yes to Jesus and to follow him for the entire rest of your life. I would invite you to do that literally right now. Now, if you've been around Lighthouse, you know that we love to pray for each other here. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing one more song. And we've got prayer leaders who are going to be available in every corner of the room. They're actually there. Some are there right now, here in the front, some in the back. And if you'd like to pray about any area of your life, we want to pray with you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing the song. I'm going to invite you to stand and, and at any moment just come forward or go to the back of the room and we'll be ready to pray with you about that. And please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. We all need it. And so don't, don't resist this great opportunity to pray with another follower of Christ to agree about some things in your life. I want to pray for you and then I want to invite you to come if you'd like to. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.